All right. Uh, today we are continuing our series called Come to Worship. Can everyone say worship? worship. Come on, worship. worship. There we go. I just like hearing your guys' voices. You guys are awesome. Um, but uh, today we're talking about a special concept of generosity. And one of the ways we show that here at the Rock Church, uh, where we go above and beyond our generosity, beyond the regular tithes and offering, uh, is a thing called Hope Fund. And so ushers, if you are receiving Hope Fund, go ahead and get ready. Um, but Hope Fund, all it is is a $1 offering. And what it goes to, uh, it goes to those in our church body that are in need. Um, so we've helped out with people who needed glasses, help out with utility bill, hospital bills to put food in the fridge, um, all those different things. We want to make sure if one of our family members in this church comes to me or someone here and says, hey, I need some help, we're able to say yes. And we do that through the Hope Offering. So it's a $1 offering. If you want to give more, uh, that's up to you. Um, but we take it once a month, and it goes to help our church folks out during a hard time. So go ahead, guys. You can pass the buckets there. Um, you guys can free uh, be free to uh, go ahead and receive that. Um, but today we're starting our uh, part two, a four-part series called Come to Worship, where we're looking at the nativity scene with the wise men and looking at through the lens of worship. Um, last week, we talked about lifting our hands in worship. It was a very incredible, powerful time um, where we talked about, no, it doesn't matter if you're uh, uh, female or male, uh, whatever it might be, Jesus calls everyone to lift their hands in worship. And it's so important. The reason I talked about female and male is because we spent a little bit of time, I was kind of poking and prodding the men in our church uh, as far as, hey, lift your hands in worship. It seems to be that uh, men over the past few generations, we've kind of laid down the spiritual mantle and let the rest carry the spiritual authority, which is fine. Um, but there's something, uh, I would say, powerful, supernaturally powerful, if I can even say that, when the men rise up and they come to Jesus' feet and worship. And everyone said, Amen. And so we talked about lifting our hands in worship last week. Uh, next week, we're going through uh, looking at pouring our hearts. And then the fourth week, we're going to be looking at falling on our knees. But today, we're looking at bringing our gifts as an act of worship. And if you missed out on last week, don't worry. Everything is recorded. You can go on the rocknp.com, check out everything uh, concerning the Rock Church, and you can record uh, uh, this message. You can download it, share it, whatever you need to do with it. But if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, Verses 1 through 2. This is kind of the, the main verse here, the main verse. After we read this, we're going to jump down to verse 10. This is why we're doing this series. I want you guys to see this. This is the nativity scene that we're reading. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. We're going to be talking about him for a little bit today. About that time, some wise men from Easter lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to, everyone say it, worship him. We have come to worship him, him meaning Jesus. The big thought for this entire series, if you can remember anything I say from this series, is this, the wise men searched out Jesus not to get something from him, but to give something to him. Say that one more time. The wise men searched out Jesus not to get something from him. Because I think a lot of times we search out spirituality, especially when it comes to our Christian faith, we search out Jesus to get something from him. Like, Lord, if I go to church, I'm going to search out you if you do this in my life. God, if I do this for you, if I search you out, uh, I need you to do this, bring healing, uh, financial blessing, or, or whatever it may be, more mercies, more grace, and all those different things. But the wise men, the first scene of worship that we can see here on earth to Jesus at Jesus' feet, the wise men came not to get something to, from Jesus, but to give something to Jesus. And that is why we're doing this series, because this is an area that the church can go above and beyond it. I, I, I don't think there's too much worship in the church. Uh, I would say that there's not enough worship in the church. And I'm not just saying when I say church, I'm not talking about this. Yes, this is a church building, but you are in fact, because Jesus came down and died for you so that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus and God the Father, that now makes you the temple of God. So the church is you. And so when I say I think the church can have a little bit more worship, I'm not talking about this, although I think you know, we, we do worship uh, pretty well here. I, I would dare say, and I would encourage you, bring worship into your house. 
Bring worship into your life. Bring worship into your prayer time and your reading time when you're at work or if you're driving on the road. Please keep both hands on the steering wheel. Um, but I think we could all bring more worship into our life because our life is created to worship God. Right here we have the Christmas story and we see some of the very first people to meet Jesus and they didn't arrive to get something, but they arrived to give something, to give their worship. And my prayer is that with this message and through this entire series, we would come to a similar place as the wise men, come to Jesus to give our worship first and not, only, not to search out Jesus with a contingency plan thing. And you know what, Lord, I'm only going to come to you if you do this. Or be angry if you come to the Lord and nothing seems to happen. But that we would just be focused on just bringing our worship to Jesus. So we're going to kind of pick up here a little bit at verse 9. The wise men show up at King Herod's house. We just read about that, asking where Jesus was being born. The issue with King Herod, King Herod was a very, very evil king. He was a very paranoid king at that. Uh, if you ever go to Israel with me, we try to go to Israel. Uh, we have an opportunity to go every year. And if we have people from our church that want to go, I go with you. Um, we get to walk through the Holy Land. But one of the things that you get to see all around Israel is King Herod's thumbprint on everything. King Herod, he was a very obsessive king. He was a very evil king, but he's a very paranoid king. And you can see that if you go to Israel with me. But when he found out that there was a baby called Jesus and people were calling him king of the Jews, that was an issue for him. That was an issue for King Herod because there's only one king, right? King Herod. And so what he did, King Herod panics and tells them the direction to Bethlehem. The wise men were wondering, hey, where is this place? And King Herod had all the scriptures and all, all his uh, uh, wise men tell him, hey, this is where he's going to be. At. This is what prophecy says, which is, that's another rabbit trail, which is interesting because people knew what was going on. That's a whole other sermon. We'll talk about that later. But he says, hey, this is where they're being born. And he says, hey, when you find out where Jesus is at, where his house is at, let me know because I want to worship him as well. And really, we kind of, most of us know the story. King Herod, he wasn't wanting to worship Jesus. In fact, he wanted to kill Jesus. And so wise men, they head out to Bethlehem, starting at verse 9, and this is what happens. It's, a, it's an amazing scene. And it says, this is after this interview, the interview with King Herod, the wise men went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was born. Now, really quick, put your finger there because we'll get to verse 10. But I want you to see exactly what's happening here. We have the wise men, and they tr it said they traveled from the east. Now, when we think of travel, we think of airplane, train, automobile. These guys, they didn't have that, Right? They didn't have any of this stuff, but they traveled from the east, from the country of Persia, which is modern-day Iran, and they're traveling from modern-day Iran all the way to Bethlehem. You can still visit Bethlehem today. All the way to Bethlehem. Do you guys know how far that is? 900 miles. 900 miles. There are no planes, there are no trains, there's no automobiles, just smelly camels and their feet. That's the way they had to get somewhere. And it would be like us kind of saying, hey, we need to go to El Paso, Texas, but we have to walk. This is what the wise men were doing. And the reason I'm hitting this really, really hard is because see how serious they were in searching out Jesus. Do you see how important it was for them to bring their worship to Jesus? It was important enough that they thought it was worth the risk, the danger, the financial of affording this whole trip, along with carrying all of their gifts to bring to Jesus. They thought it was worth the 900-mile trek. And sometimes we find it hard just to get up and go a few blocks to church when it's windy and snowy. You see how important worship is. So it was so important for these guys. They, they, they just wanted to travel there. Scholars say that the wise men showed up actually a few years later after Jesus was born because of the trek took so long that Jesus was a toddler when the wise men showed up and to worship him. And so kind of keep that at the forefront of your mind as we go through how important it was for these guys to travel 900 miles by camel and by foot to worship 
Jesus. Worship is important. Verse 10, it says this, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Everyone say joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That word joy is actually something we talk about here at the Rock Church. A few months ago, we had a series on the book of Philippians that we talked about joy and being overjoyed and being filled with joy. But this word here, overjoyed, is a unique word. If you ever want to do some uh, Bible word study, study this word overjoyed. This is translated down to joy, like joy on steroids is the best way I can put it. Like this is, like, like you, you are super filled with joy because you have joy, because you know you have joy, because you found joy. Like that doesn't even make sense, right, Pastor Vaughn? Like that doesn't, my point exactly like, these guys were so overjoyed. And it's so funny that we have this nativity scene that it shows all the wise men coming together and their faces are like. To me, that doesn't seem overjoyed. Like, the guy giving up gold, frankincense, and murder, it looks like they're kind of like, oh, this is painful. Please, I don't want to give my gold. Take the gold. Don't give my gold. But it says here that they were overjoyed. If, if, if I could like make a, like a new like nativity scene, this, I don't, you might think this is sacrilegious, but if, if you read this, then maybe it might make sense. Is it might be better for like the wise men to like, woo! Or like high fives or chest bump or like, like have this facial expression of like, oh my gosh, we found Jesus. Like we just traveled a thousand miles for this kid. And in fact, they knew what prophecy said. They knew what Jesus was going to do. So like, this is Messiah. This is, this is, amen. This is God with us in flesh. We found him. And they were overjoyed by it. And I think we can just take a little bit, a, a, a little taste of that. Because sometimes we're like, man, I'm filled with joy. Oh, I have so much joy. Tell your face, because it doesn't look like it. And I'm not saying we gotta do chest bumps. We're not gonna all do chest bumps after this. Don't worry about that. It's okay. But I'm saying we are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The guy who thought it was right to humble himself from a deity, mind you. He was in heaven. Everything was perfect. He was king. But he said, you know what? It is worth it if I come down in the form of a baby and be born to lower class citizens and to live a life of almost impoverished and to go through all of this stuff and to die a painful death. That's who we're worshiping. That's who we're worshiping. It's Jesus, the one who listens to your prayers and answers your prayers, the one who gives you new grace and mercies each day. This is who we are worshiping. And I don't think the wise men showed up to worship Jesus and got off their camels and say, man, this better be good. Like, Jesus, like Joseph and Mary, but have some good music or else I'm not going to be in my worship mode. Or like the stable better be clean because that's going to bother me. I can't get my worship on if that happens. But they got off their camels and I can only imagine them just looking in awe and be like, man, this is, we get to do this. We get to come to worship. In fact, one of the things that we talked about in the worship team back there, we were praying back there is like, man, what an honor it is to lead people into worship. Like, we are one of the few nations where we can come out in public and say the name of Jesus out loud and cheer his name on and to open our hands and saying, yeah, hallelujah, like this is Jesus. This is who we're worshiping. There's gonna be a day where that's not gonna be, no, that's not how it's gonna be. And we have so many brothers and sisters in Christ that live across seas and man, they have to do in hiding they come to worship in their little church closet with missing fingers and like scars because of torture and all because they worship the name of Jesus. And they still find it worthy to do so. 
So these guys, they were overjoyed. They found Jesus. They were overjoyed because they get to worship the one they traveled 900 miles for. They were overjoyed because they have found Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And you need to know God is with you this morning. He is with you. And while they worshiped him, the thing we're going to focus on today is that they brought these gifts. These gifts were super interesting. They foreshadowed a whole lot. But they were very valuable and expensive gifts. Uh, they gave gold, which represented Jesus' kingship. Uh, they gave frankincense, which was, was a perfume that represented Jesus' priestly role in our life as the high priest. And they gave myrrh, which was probably the strangest gift to ever get. It would be like... Your child had a birthday, and I came and brought embalming fluid to him and say, happy birthday. <laughs> because this was something they used to put in the linen as they wrapped their dead and prepared them for burial. And of course, we know that that foreshadowed Jesus was, yes, born to die for the world. And these were all these, these gifts that they brought. They brought all of these gifts as an act of worship. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. And so, yes, we're talking about giving today. We're talking about giving, generosity, a giving message. And I know how some of us might feel about a giving message because, Vaughn, you're preaching about giving during the most expensive time of the year, right? The bills go up because we had to heat the house. We've got Christmas presents to buy because for some reason we all waited till like next week to buy our presents. And we did all of this stuff. And so I, as your pastor, have the joy of bringing you a giving message. And I can just tell right now, is it's always interesting up here because we got people who are like, yes, a giving message. We got people like, oh man, like hold my wallet really tight. But we're gonna be talking about generosity I used to hate giving messages because I was, uh, at one point in my life, I wasn't generous with what God has given me. And really, over time, my heart has changed. And one of the best things I love doing to this day is studying about generosity. Uh, and so much, we, we, we study about it. I, in fact, I preach on it a lot. Um, I listen to sermons on generosity. I buy books on generosity. Uh, I even like, beyond all that, I love being around generous people. You guys know who that is. I love being around generous people because they love to give. In fact, in my opinion, there's nothing more contagious than a, a generous uh, person. And like I said, even I can tell who loves talking about this because you're, you're, you're tuning in, I can see you, and you know what it means to be generous. You have felt the, the, the feeling of being generous, but you've also felt the blessing of being generous. But the reason I hated messages on generosity is because at one point I was in a seat very much like yours. And when a pastor would give up and say, hey, we're talking about giving today, I'd be like, oh, I hate this day. And it was because I wasn't a giver. I hated messages on generosity because I wasn't generous with what God has given me. The reason why we are so big on generosity and worshiping Jesus with our gifts is because of the famous scripture of John 3.16. Even if you don't go to church, you don't know Jesus, you know this because football players put it on their face for some reason during football games. But this, the, the John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he what? Gave. For God so loved the world, he gave. Why did he give? Because he so loved the world. He decided to give. In fact, Romans 5.8 says it this way. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And that is why here at the Rock Church, we are huge on generosity. Generosity is one of our core values uh, that we'll actually be preaching on over uh, the next few weeks after the Christmas message. But generosity is one of our core values because we believe when we are generous with what we have, we are resembling God's generosity. And that is why we talk about generosity. And the, one of the reasons why we do that, and this is the first point in your notes, the reason why we talk about generosity and the reason we want to be generous is because this point number one is because love gives. Love gives. Jill and I, we love giving, but we had a season of life where we just knew that we can't financially give gifts to each other. 
Uh, and some of you guys are like that. And we kind of had this kind of a unspoken rule of like, hey, let's just get the kids something. Um, and let's just, you know, we'll spoil ourselves with, you know, buying something big together or something like that. Let's just, let's, we don't do Christmas presents. But there was one time uh, when we first got married. It was our anniversary, I believe. Um, and we were like dirt poor. Anyone here were dirt poor when you first got married? I mean, we were probably not dirt poor, uh, but we were pretty close. Like, pretty stinking close. And it was one of those times where it was like, man, like, it's our anniversary, and we don't have any money. So much so that uh, Jill, uh, one of our first anniversaries, she went to her grandma's house just to visit, to visit grandma. But grandma had food in the freezer that she could bring home to cook. That's how poor we were. And so this is like the very next year. We got our apartment, so we're experiencing adulthood and uh, being newly married. And we're like, hey, we don't have a lot of money. Let's just, let's just cook something at home. And so I don't know what we cooked. I think it was like very cheap Alfredo. And we're going to make the best of it. By the way, those are like some of the best marriages you have. Like those were, those were back in the day when it was simple. Um, but before that, weeks following, um, Jill was always talking about a pearl ring. And she's like, oh, like, I would love a pearl. I don't know why a pearl ring, but she wanted a pearl ring. And she showed me the one she wanted. And I'm like, of course you'd want that one with the price tag on that. And, and so I'm like, I ain't going to jail because I'm not going to steal it. So we'll just have cheap Alfredo. And so, so we're cooking and cooking and cooking. And uh, she's over there. And she's like almost, like almost breaking down. I don't know if she even remembers this. But she was like just almost in tears because we didn't have a lot. And, and we wanted to make this day special. And this is what we're having. It was like craft macaroni Alfredo. And she's like, is, is, this, is this what it is? And so she turned around to get something, and she turned back, and there was a black box um, on top of the stove, which probably wasn't a smart move on my deal because all the burners were on. Um, but there was a little black box on, uh, on the stove, and she opened it up, and it was a pearl ring. And what I've been doing is because I, I, I love my wife, I want to bless her, I want to spoil her, and I knew this would, this would be something. And so over the past few weeks before that, I would work a bunch of odd jobs, and I got enough money to buy her this pearl ring. And she was just blown away for that, just, just like, like, oh my gosh, like, what did you do? And then she felt bad because she didn't get me anything. But the point of that whole story is that generous people love gives. If you love someone so much, you are generous with them. You're generous with your, with your time, your talents, and your money. Love gives. And because love gives, it's the same when it comes to bringing our gifts to God. Now, the reality is, is there isn't a person in this room or the person that I have met that says, no, I hate the idea of being generous or giving financially to Jesus in his church, Right? Right, Scrooge, the Christmas story, teaches us that lesson, not to be greedy and not to be angry with money. So I haven't met anyone about generosity that says, you know, I don't like it. But I have met people that love God but are afraid to give. I've met people that love God but they're afraid to give. And I just want to share a few things this morning that the Bible says about giving, about generosity, especially about giving money. And hopefully it will help you as you think about bringing your gifts as an act of worship to God. So if I can implore you, whether you like giving messages or you don't like giving messages, come at this with an open heart and you can decide for yourself after this message. Look at the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 4. 5 through 10. It says this. It's a very popular scripture, but it's interesting what follows after. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Verse 7, because usually we stop there, but verse 7 continues in the same breath. It says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then, then you will have healing for your body, strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. You translate wealth down, that means money. Trans, it means money, wealth, and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will be overflowing with good wine. Anyone here like good wine? Oh, <laughs> you guys were... That was, that was interesting. That was funny. 
Jill talked about a few weeks ago on Sunday, but the scripture talked about honor the Lord with your wealth. This verse right here is what we call a promise, meaning that if you do this for God, this will happen. That's a promise. Not that if you do it, then this will happen. It's a promise that God says, hey, if you honor me, this is what I will do in return. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. And this term is actually what we get the term of wealth. And this term is really interesting, the term of first fruits. Write that down. First fruits. First fruits means the first and the best of what you have. The first and the best of what you have. The book of Malachi talks about this, and it's where we get our concept from tithing. Tithing literally means a tenth. A tenth. One slash ten. A tenth. Malachi talks about bringing the tithe, bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. Storehouse just means the church where you get fed spiritually. Why? Because of an act of worship, the first 10% we believe, according to scripture, belongs to God. The whole world has a way of how, how, how to handle money. There are so many books on how to handle money. There are money gurus out there that say this is how you need to handle money. But as a believer, at least how I interpret it is this in scripture is how we handle money is the first and the best. The first 10% goes to God. Now, it's interesting at 10% because a lot of people think, well, isn't it just a money amount? No, it's not. What it is, it's a ratio because a 10% actually hurts to give a little bit. In fact, I can see your mind's wheeling just a little bit. You're like, well, I make this much times 10%. Pastor Ron, are you saying I need to give that much? According to scripture, 10%, it's already God's. And how Jill and I handle our money, we, we do the 10%, and we have seen the blessings that we're going to read about. I know many of you honor God with the 10%, and I know it's so weird because this seems like a very religious, legalistic aspect of how to handle money. But I read this time and time again. Jesus says, God says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. I want to read verse 5 one more time. Because what we're trying to do right now, I can see it, is we're trying to logically explain to ourselves why this makes sense. But this is what happens. Verse 5, right here. If I can find it right there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Meaning this, you're not going to figure out why it works. It's not going to make sense to you. It will never make sense to you. Jump to verse 10, he says, he says this, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. What does this mean? Trust God with the idea of giving 10% to what to him and he will bless you. Now, this is not a prosperity teaching because I know there's a lot of pastors out there that preach says, hey, uh, if you do this, God's gonna give you tons of money. If you don't have tons of money, that means you're doing something wrong. That's prosperity teaching. Throw that in the garbage. Burn that. I do not believe that. But I do know this is when we honor God with our first and our best, he will bless you. It may look like something like money. It may look like time. It seems like you have more time than what you had originally before. It may look like, wow, like I can just see life is a little bit more breathable right now. It can look like so many different ways. But Proverbs right here says, but don't, don't try to logically break it down because you're not going to understand how God works in this. This is actually what we call a faith step. Jill told a few stories of how we first started giving. Each of them were very, very true. We gave 10% as soon as we got our paychecks and we were really making little to nothing. And there are many times where we didn't know how we we're going to get groceries or to fill the car. Like, for those of you who have those giving stories, this, this is kind of a very popular one that a lot of us have is when we first wrote that, we're like, man, if, if I give this to God, we can't buy groceries. If, like, if I give 10% to God, we're not gonna be able to fill the car with gas. We're gonna have to say no to a few things. And let me tell you, it is hard when you first start. It's one of the hardest things that I ever had to do. And we, we, we wrote the check. And in fact, if I can be honest, I did kind of like 
kind of spiteful towards God, like, okay, God, you better do this because here's what it says. The scripture says, like, if I give my 10%, it says I can test you, so you better do it, God. You better come through because if not, I'm leaving the whole game. I'm like, I'm out of here. And so, like, I wrote it. I'm like, okay, God, now it's up to you. Like, I might have crumpled the check and threw it in the offering. But, but we, scripture time and time again said honor. So we're like, okay, let's just actually test this out. And so we did it, and there were times where we came home, and I kid you not, these are not feel-good stories. These are not make-believe. These are not something I conjured up to convince you to give. These are very, very true stories. We came home, and someone surprised us with a whole bunch of groceries or a gift card to Walmart. Um, That happened a few times. There were times uh, where we found envelopes in our mailbox with money in it, just just enough to pay the utility bill. Like almost like right on, I I kid you not. And like that would happen. Uh, And God goes above and beyond because God doesn't just try to make you scrape by, but God, I believe God goes above and beyond. When we first got into ministry, um, we we needed a flat screen TV. Now, we didn't need one, but we had the old school box that weighed like 300 pounds. It was really big back since heyday. My dad gave it to me for my my, uh, dorm room. And, but I was tired of it. I was tired of lugging it around. And I'm like, Lord, I need a flat screen TV. Like, please, would you just give someone to tell them to give me their flat screen TV? And so we get there, and my dad's like, man, you need a flat screen. I'm like, yes, we do. And he's like, well, let's go, let's, let's go to Target, and we'll get you a flat screen. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to, like, this is a few years ago where plasma was the big thing. So I'm like, we're going to get the big 60-inch plasma screen, and it's going to be rocking. We go there, and dad says, well, here you go. And it was this little, like, 26-inch flat screen. Like, our computer in the back was bigger than this little flat screen. And I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's something, so we'll take it. And we had a very, very small uh, apartment, and we put it on there. And actually, it fit pretty well because we didn't have a lot at that time. So we're like, oh, this kind of fits our, like, whole, like, Charlie Brown, like, Christmas tree style we're going for. And uh, so we got this little flat screen, and, and, and we enjoyed it. And then um, we started wanting to settle down, and we're kind of outgrowing this little apartment. And, um, and the thing that was bothering me was, like, I could probably use a bigger flat screen, like, I would like a bigger flat screen. And so I'm kind of obsessed with this. Guys, you know how we work, right? Like, we want the flat screen. We want the flat screen. My mind was going there. A week later, um, a guy came up to me. He was a developer in Scotts Bluff, built the whole, this whole uh, development on this golf course. Now, all these condos. And uh, he says, hey, um, I heard, like, you and Jill are wanting to settle down a little bit. Um, I know the apartment you're renting right now is super small. Would you, here's the keys to this house. Can you just go check it out and see if you want to rent this from me? So we go there, we check it out, and no, duh, we want to rent this from this guy. Like, this is like, super nice, and to this day, like, this was a very, very nice condo, everything we wanted. And so we go there, and I'm like, babe, I don't know if we can afford this. Like, like he says rent. This could easily go for, like, two grand a month. Like, kid you not. I'm like, babe, I'm sorry. We're going to have to go say No. So we go up to there, and um, remember, this is about a flat-screen TV. It's not even about the condo. And we go to, I go to him, and I said, hey, man, um, thank you for trying to bless us, um, but we can't, we can't afford the rent on this. Like, we're paying, like, $350 a month on this little tiny apartment right now. He says, no, 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 like, you're misunderstanding me. Like, like, you tell me what you want to rent, and then you can live in this house. I said, well, if I can be honest, I'm a youth pastor. I don't make a lot. My wife is a Christian private school teacher. She doesn't make a lot. I can maybe like do 500 and squeeze it. He's like, you know what? I'll just meet you what you're renting at and you can take the keys and you can go live there. And so here I am like, wow, we just went from this and like our house does not resemble what we make. And so I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for this like awesome, incredible house. My wife is super happy because it's like a walk-in master closet. It's got the jetted tub for like her and like six other people. We don't do that. That's not our lifestyle. But I'm just saying, you can feel like six people there, all right? Like it was, it was, it was incredible, this house. So we get everything set up and we have this massive living room. And I set up my flat screen TV in the corner. I'm like, babe, can you see what can you see what's on TV? She's like, no. And we had to get together because we have this house there. We're going to throw a party for Jesus, like in honor of like blessing us. We come here and it was like one of the worst parties because it was a movie party and no one could see the movie. And so we had uh, the senior pastor come over and they came over and watched our kids for a little bit for a date night. And we come back and you know what's really bad when your pastor says, hey, Vaughn, you might think about getting a bigger TV. And I'm like, Tyson, you might think about giving me a raise because (laughs) I got no money. 
And so we're, we're wrestling with all this and all this stuff. And I'm, and I, I'm like seriously praying. It sounds so silly. Like I'm praying like, Lord, would you, would you give us a bigger TV? And I kid you not, I kid you not, a week later, we get a gift card in the mail to Target. This is when Target did not have groceries. So I know what it had to go to in Target. We go there and it was for the exact amount for the TV that I have been looking at for that entire first two years. I kid you not. You can clap for that. It's okay. You can do that. It's kind of weird, like, yay, Pastor Ron got a TV, okay. Um, but I, I share that story with you, not, not, not to, like, brag or saying, like, you need to go, go God for your materialistic stuff. But I'm saying this, God blesses you when you honor him with your first and best. God will bless you beyond measure. Just like scripture says, your barns would be overflowing. Your vats will be overfull. Like, you, like, God will bring you his first and his best if you do you first and your best. God will always bless you. God will bless your giving. And it may, it may look like what happened in our stories. It may not. But what you will know is that God is always faithful when you're faithful for your gifts. When you bring your first and your best as a gift, as an act of worship, just like the wise men did, he will honor you. In fact, Malachi, where it talks about bringing your first 10% to the church, God says himself, if you don't believe me, you, you, you can like look this up. God says, test me in this. Test me in this. And you can argue, well, that's, Vaughn, that's Old Testament. And you would be absolutely correct in saying, yes, that is an Old Testament. But guess what? There's an episode where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and says, you, know you guys boast about giving? Like, you need to do that and to love. So you need to give your tithe and love. But I wouldn't even say this. The New Testament goes beyond the 10%. And he says, you need to sacrificially give. Because God sacrificially gave his son. And so it's not, just, it's not just about the 10%. It's not just about any of this. It, it's really about refocusing what your treasure is. You read in Matthew, it says, you know what, where, where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And one of the reasons we practice this is because when you give that 10%, it's a reminder to you who is your provider. Who are you worshiping? Who are you allowing to be in control of your life? Because guess what? God doesn't need your money. God's rich. He's got streets of gold, people. He doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. And if I know anything about our human behavior, our heart follows our checkbook. Let's be honest. But when we come to God with our first and our best, that first 10%, it's a ratio that's just enough that's like, oh, like, I can, I can feel it leaving my bank account. Really. But it's also saying, Lord, I trust you. God, I trust you. Not only that, it goes to expand Jesus' kingdom. Yes, it keeps, you know, the lights on, the heat and all that. But, I mean, we do so much good with the things that you are generous with. We're going to talk about those here just in a few minutes. But if we can kind of recap all that, point number two is this. We bring our first and our best and trust God to bless the rest. And it rhymes, and I love it when my points rhyme. We bring God our first and our best and trust God to bless the rest when it comes to our giving. Church, this is just much more than make sure to give your money to the church message. When we come to worship Jesus with our gifts, so much happens in our life. We believe this as a church from your generosity that you give the church is also generous. We want to reciprocate what you give to us, and we want to give out to our community and to those places and organizations that are expanding the name of Jesus Christ. From the Hope Fund we just took, we have helped with hundreds, if not thousands, I could say, of dollars with paying medications and filling up gas tanks and filling pantries with food and helping those who need to help paying their bills. We have given checks, just write out just checks, to help special need uh, programs and apartments in the school system 
with a few hundred dollars so they can buy sensory equipment. We sponsor Mauricio Rodriguez, our Nicaraguan missionary, who is reaching thousands of people in Nicaragua, but also now in El Salvador in a time of civil unrest. We sponsor Israeli missionary who spreads the gospel to the Jewish people through affordable housing and establishing halfway houses for those who are rescued out of sex slave. Uh, we do serve day where we take a Sunday and we serve out in the community where we have built fences and cleaned up trash and took care of our parks and we've set up storefronts and gave helping hand to the local resources all on the rock church's dime. We don't pay, we don't tell them to pay anything for that. Uh, we just recently, uh, we put together a soldier care package. We filled up, put together about 50 of them. Um, again, on the rock church's dime because of your guys' generosity and they just got shipped to a special forces unit that are not home for Christmas, but now they can open on Christmas day on some uh, uh, crackers and gun oil and all this stuff they might need to make them to pass time in the field. But also in there, there's, there's handwritten uh, notes of blessings from God and scripture. I mean, come on, church. I mean, this is what we do. Yeah, come on, clap for that. And let me tell you, we're able to do these things because of your guys' generosity. We're able to do all of this because you guys are generous with your first and your best. Because we don't want to be like that parable with a servant where the master gave a talent to one servant and he just went and buried it and just waited for Jesus to come back and said, hey, I saved it for you. But we want to be the servant when the master comes back and says, hey, Lord, you gave us this, the church gave us this, and guess what? We used it and multiplied it. Let me tell you, you guys, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Rock Church here, because of you guys, we are making a global reach around the world. And that sounds funny because we're not a big church. But it's not hard to do it, but when you are generous with what you guys give to the church, we can be generous with those around the world. This is so important. Generosity is huge. Just one more story. Uh, a year and a half ago, um, we, uh, uh, you guys uh, were super generous and um, we forgot to, <laughs> we forgot, uh, we forgot to send on uh, the forward uh, tithe because from what we get here, uh, we make a tithe off of that to our denomination to what we call Foursquare Missions International. And it was such a large chunk from you guys that they were able to send uh, thousands of Bibles to the underground church over in the, in the Middle East. And she called me and says, hey, I don't know if you guys know this, um, but these missionaries haven't received anything for like three to five years. But because of your guys' generosity, you have kind of reestablished a fire in the Middle East. I can't tell you exactly where. In the Middle East, where we've gotten them Bibles, we've gotten them food, we've gotten them clean water. And it's from your guys' thousands of dollars that you guys sent. You guys are making an outreach over there in the Middle East where God is rarely seen. That's from you guys. And this is huge. And this is why we talk about generosity. Church, we love to give. We are overjoyed to give because God gave us his first and his best for us. Love loves to give. If there's, any, if there's a reason I can tell you why we give, it's because we love this world. We don't love what's going on in it, but man, we, we love the people. We love those souls that maybe we want them to hear the gospel even just here in North Platte, there are people who are hurting and they need Jesus. Worship team, if you want to come up. I want to share this before we wrap up. Because the reason why we preach on generosity is so that we can expand the name of Jesus in North Platte. And this is why, this is why I think we need to expand the name of Jesus. You can tune in here. We're going to wrap up. Since being here, I have done plenty of funerals, more than I would like to count. In fact, it was enough that my friends were like, man, you do a lot of funerals. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and I don't like doing funerals, but I take them as an opportunity because during funerals, that's it's probably one of the best times you can reach someone with the name of Jesus is when they're heartbroken. And so we do that. And I was talking to my wife the other day. I'm like, man, babe, I've done a lot of funerals, but you know what like, disturbs me the most? is I've only done, probably I can count on one hand, funerals of those 
who I know with absolutely a shadow of a doubt that I know they're in heaven today. And I have done dozens of funerals that if I could look at their life, and I'm not judging, I'm not doing that, but, but, but we're supposed to, you can tell by the fruit, I look at their life and there's nothing that points to Jesus. And most of those funerals are pro bono funerals, meaning there, there were two parts. They couldn't afford a funeral. I've done a lot of overdosing funerals. North Platte is full of hurting people. And the reason we talk about generosity is so now that you tithe is so we can get a nicer building. Yes, we do some nice things to our buildings. Not so uh, fatter paycheck for the staff. We don't, we don't do that. We honor them, but we, we don't. It, we put it towards the mission of North Platte. So we can do things like serve day. If you've never been a part of serve day, be a part of serve day because that's much more than going out there and just working. Like people are praying for people during serve day. People are radically changed because of survey. We, we did an outreach over in a trailer court, and the 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 tra- I don't know what they call them, but the, the gal that owned the trailer court called me up and says, Hey, like this has never been done here. And she told me, she's it was almost like a warning. She's like, Do you know the people who are in my trailer court? Like, just a fair warning. If you want to leave, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna feel bad about it, but you need to know who you're gonna be with. I'm like, I absolutely know who is in the trailer court. But we're going to go there and we're going to give away free food. We're going to put up some inflatables and we're going to love on all the kiddos who have hurt and broken parents. And when we see the parents, we're going to show them the love of Jesus Christ. I don't care if they have a rap sheet or they're in the hot sheets or whatever, but we're going to look at them and see them through the eyes of Jesus. And we're just going to say, hey, we love you. And let me tell you, it wasn't just free food. Prayer happened on those. People were praying for people on that day. And all of this is making a difference. That kind of leads to this last part. It's like, if there's anything beyond generosity that's so important to give, and maybe this is your first time here, where you need to start out with generosity, step number one is to give your life. To give your life. And that's what we put our money towards. We want want to do things that people, where it says, go to the highways and byways and compel them to come into my house. We're going to do everything we can short of sin to get those people into church, into a relationship with the living and breathing God that wants the best for them. That's what we want for the Rock Church. But giving your life to God is the ultimate gift you can give to God. So if you don't, if, if if that has not been a part of your first step, you're going to have an opportunity to do so right here. And this is why right here, last verse of the day, Romans 12, 1 through 2, says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. I love this last part because this is truly the way to worship him. When it comes to giving, this is where we start. You give your life. And you can be overjoyed when you do that. And when we dismiss from here, you'll have an opportunity to give. And you can be overjoyed in that as well, knowing where everything's going. We're going to have a business meeting after uh, the last week in January where you can see where every single penny goes to. And I hope you see that it goes beyond these four walls. We want to be a vital part of what Jesus is doing in North Platte. I don't know if you guys know this, but we believe that there's a revival going to happen in North Platte. And I'm not just saying that because of my past. I'm saying that because I'm friends with other pastors. And guess what? It's not just our church that's growing. All the churches are growing here with new people. Every single one of them. And it's not because we're doing cool and trendy things. It's because the love of Jesus is so powerful. And when a church is unified in their generosity, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message. And Lord, I pray as we talk about generosity, Lord, we want to honor you with our first and best. And we are going to trust you with the rest that we have. 
And Lord, I know, I don't even have to, to pray it, but I know that when we honor you with our tithe, you bless it. You, you have blessed me, you have blessed my friends, you have, there's countless, thousands of stories in this room that, that can continue to talk about the blessings that you shower on us when we trust you with our first and our best. But God, this morning, we want to start with step number one, and that is to give our life to you. I've only got one call this morning. If you came here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer to start that step. Because really, if you can be honest, if you can look at your life right now, that you can see that you're broken. You have issues. You've been living for yourself. And if you can really be honest, you've tried to take control of your own problems and what happens is you get even into more issues. You create more problems for yourself. I can tell you with my own life, I gave my life to Jesus as a sophomore in high school. And from that time on, I have been living every day with purpose, knowing that God has given me new mercies and new grace each morning when I wake up. And knowing that, guess what? My life is not up to me, but it's up to God. And giving up control of your life can seem so hard, but yet it is so freeing. Knowing that you are not in charge of your eternity. God is. And I can tell you, if you start today saying, God, I come to you, you can walk out here knowing without a shadow of a doubt, you belong to God. So if that is you saying, no, I need, I need to start with step number one of my generosity. Lord, I want to be generous with my life. God, my life is yours. If that is you, you want to say that for the first time today, just slip your hand up. No one's looking. Say, my life is yours. Amen. Is there anyone else? Yeah, amen. Anyone else? Yeah, amen. I see that. So, Father, you can just you can say it in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say, Lord, would you come into my life? Would you make me clean? Lord, I know I'm broken. Really, I'm a broken vessel. But, Lord, you can put me back together. And not just to put me back together, but actually in Scripture says I am a new creation. Father, would you do that in my life? Starting today, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. Thank you, God, for forgiving all of my sins. Starting today, I'm walking with you. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the three people that gave their hearts to Christ this morning. Lord, I thank you for the good work that you're doing with our generosity. It's only because of you, not because of us, not because of the Rock Church, not because Pastor Vaughn. This is only because of you. In your mighty name, Amen, amen. Will you guys stand up with us this morning? Will you guys give a round of applause for God and those three people that gave their hearts to Christ? Come on, church. Let's begin to worship.